The scripture this morning is out of Jeremiah chapter 33, 14 through 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. The word of God for the people of God. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. It's the first Sunday of the new liturgical year for those that are keeping score. It's a fresh start as we await the arrival of the baby Jesus. There gets to be some confusion this time of year, kind of as I was telling the kids. Many feel that we are in the Christmas season now, and we're not, I know. Christmas starts on December 25th and goes through Epiphany on January 6th. For the next four weeks, we are in the season of preparation, in Advent of the coming of Christ. The awaiting of the Messiah started a long time before his birth. The Jewish prophets taught for years that there would be a savior to come. Those that still follow the Jewish faith are still waiting. Those of us who follow the Christian faith believe that the Messiah came to us over 2,000 years ago, laid in a manger, in a stable, to parents of no great economy. The prophet Jeremiah prophesied the coming of the Messiah about 600 years before the actual birth of Christ. Jeremiah lived during a very, very interesting and tumultuous time in Jerusalem. He was born sometime in the mid-600s B.C. and did most of his work during the reign of King Josiah. It was after Josiah's death that things began to unravel for the Jews in Jerusalem. There was conflict from the north in Assyria, And there was conflict from Egypt in the southeast. King Josiah died in a risky military move against Egypt, and his sons and heirs took the throne, and they were unable to keep the Assyrians at bay. The armies of Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylon were not only able to defeat the Egyptians where the Israelites could not, but they were able to take over Jerusalem as well. Eventually, the Jewish population was deported from their city, and the first temple was destroyed, and the exile began. Throughout the ordeal, Jeremiah's original scrolls were burned, and he was imprisoned. But because he knew that his message was from God and needed to be heard, he was not stopped from getting the word out. Unlike the Apostle Paul, who was able to write letters from his prison cell which most of the time was more actually like house arrest, Jeremiah had to pass his word to his faithful companion Baruch, who would write down the words. And as he wrote down Jeremiah's words, Baruch also was able to recreate as best as he could most of Jeremiah's first scrolls. Jeremiah took his role as a prophet 
very seriously. He believed that God's word was given to him to proclaim, and that he, could, and that he had no other commitments in his life but to do just that. Before he had been imprisoned, he would go to the temple alone and stand off to the side. Although he was by nature a social person, he believed that in his role as a prophet, he must remain withdrawn in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the temple square. His dedication to his vocation actually irritated many of the priests and prophets, and even his own relatives. But he was not fazed by it, because he knew with God's help he would withstand their comments and criticisms. The most important thing to know about Jeremiah and what makes him set apart from the other prophets is that he was a bullfrog and he always had some mighty fine wine. Good, you guys are listening. That was a test. Yes. Awesome. As Jeremiah dedicated dictated his prophecies to Baruch. And as Baruch attempted to put the first scrolls back together, we see that the prophecy of chapter 33 is not not the only place where the coming of the Messiah is mentioned. In chapter 23, starting with verse 5, very similar words came from the prophet. The people of Judea and Israel were suffering, and Jeremiah was trying to help them understand that their suffering was not going to be forever. That God would make good on his commitment to free them from captivity, just as before when they had been rescued out of Egypt. Through Jeremiah, God was telling the readers and the hearers of these oracles that a Savior was coming. Someone who would and could bring peace to Judah, and that Jerusalem would be saved, and that the person would be from the house of David. This is why the first chapter of Matthew is the lineage and ties of of the house of David that helps prove the legitimacy of Jesus' reign as Messiah. Even centuries before Jesus' birth, there were those in the priesthood that took issue with the idea of the Savior being someone of the Davidic line. There isn't a clear picture as to why, other than the reign of the Messiah would be one of justice. And sometimes that scares people, especially when they've not been very good at that themselves. There were those that felt that the Messiah even from the first mentions of one centuries before he even arrived, would oust the priests and their line would end. It was an uphill battle for Jesus hundreds of years before he even set foot on the earth. For a better understanding of the time difference of Jeremiah's prophecy to the birth of Christ, imagine Queen Elizabeth I sitting in St. James' palace, not only fighting fighting off the Spanish armada, but also despised at the very idea of your birth. It was that much of a time difference. The stories of Jesus, both in his life and ministry, and even those of his foretelling, have always come when the people really needed to hear it the most. 
It is possible that it's just a coincidence. After all, humanity, humanity has proven time and time again that we get ourselves into quite a lot of pickles. But the Messiah has always been a beacon of hope from the very beginning. The Savior is needed in all times, but especially in times of great darkness. The prophecies of Jeremiah about the coming of the Lord were made in some of the darkest times that the Jewish people had known, at least since their time in the desert as they escaped Egypt a thousand years prior. The people were exiled to Babylon for seven generations. And during that dark time, they turned their ears to the stories of the coming Lord, to the prophecies and promises God had made for a Savior. Christ's birth comes at a time when Palestine was under Roman rule, yet had governors and kings that were exploiting and destroying the people they were charged with caring for. Just as the ancient generations needed to hear the prophecy of Christ's birth in their darkest times, we need to hear the prophecy. Whether we are facing personal darkness, the promised of Jesus Christ is there for us. Whether we are facing societal darkness, the promise of Jesus Christ is there for us whether we are facing literally the darkest time of the year. The promise of the Christ child, the light of the world, awaits us as daylight slowly begins to grow longer. Advent is a time of preparing and waiting. And often the anticipation can be more than some of us can bear. It is a virtue that not all of us have. When I was about 13 or 14, my mother and I were at the church where she was serving, decorating for the Lenten season. Members of the church had gathered as well, of course, much like the hanging of the greens. Mom was standing on the altar, draping the purple sash over the cross, and was in need of a pin to keep it in place. Mickey, go get this pin for me. Okay, I said but I did not really go anywhere. I slowly put down what I was doing, stretched my arms above my head, cracked some joints, and began to slowly move toward the table that held the pins. One of the ladies in the church piped up, Mickey, what are you doing? Your mother needs that pin. Oh, I know. I'm making my mother wait. She hates waiting. She's fine. She's fine. (laughs) Waiting and wondering is something that I'm not really good at. I'm sure I get that from my mother. Although waiting for our Christmas presents or even a pin do not measure up to the waiting of the Savior in times of great darkness, waiting is exactly what our ancient generations had to do. What they had seen then through their exile was the promise of a Savior. What they had the stories of Exodus and other ancient texts to remind them that they would not be forgotten. And they had the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah to comfort them in their uncertainty. I won't leave you in any more suspense. There's plenty of that going on this month. 
I want you to know that mom got the pin that she needed for the Lenten sash. She stood there with one hand on her hip and the other on the sash with quite a mother glare, waiting for me when I finally reached the altar. How I survived adolescence is a clear example of God's grace. I was kind of a jerk. I know, me? What? We, we have the blessing of knowing the Savior. We know that Jesus came to us and where he was and what he did. We know that at the age of 12, he was schooling the priests in the temple. We know that by age 30, he was baptized by John in the River Jordan and started his ministry. And we know that he paid the ultimate price so that we would have eternal life. But for these next four weeks, we get to be in anticipation of all of that. We get to sit in wonder and in prayer for the baby that will come quietly and unassuming. We wait in Advent for the promise of the Lord and the branch of David to arrive. For the next four weeks, we can focus on the hope, love, joy, and peace that surrounds the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen.